0: Get your library card now at tdmlibrary.thediversitymovement.com. You can't stop me. Nothing's gonna stand in my way.
1: Nothing, nothing. Welcome to the Donald Thompson Podcast. Today, I have with me a good friend of mine, business mentor, and a successful business owner and entrepreneur, Mr. Grant Willard. Grant, welcome to the show. Hey, DT. It's great to be on the show with my mentor.
2: Um, you know, I I think we've gotten to the place where we are just learning a lot from each other. It's, every time we talk, we learn something from each other. So it's a lot I, of fun.
1: Well, a, 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 amen to that, and and I will I won't argue with you on that. But but I think it's it's weighted one way, and I and I'm I'm the recipient, so I'm the winner. Yep, yep. <laughs> so one of the things that I enjoy doing with our guests. Is Why don't you just take a few minutes and talk about you a little bit? Where are, you, where are you from? Brothers and sisters, married, kids, and let the audience just get to know you as an individual. And then we're going to dig into sustainability. We're going to dig into our environment and how these things impact business, how they impact diversity, equity, and inclusion. But let's just take a few minutes and get to know Grant Willard. Yeah, so I'm I'm Grant Willard. I'm a North Carolina native, um, grew up in Winston-Salem.
2: My backyard was Wake Forest University. My dad worked for Wake Forest University for 35 years. I learned ACC basketball from a very early age. Went to school down here in Raleigh and married my high school sweetheart right as I was finishing school. Had been married to Laura, my soulmate, for 44 years. We have two kids, um, both married, and we have two grandchildren. Everything they say about being a grandparent is actually true. I had got out of school and I had three jobs in four years. It was proven to me pretty quickly that if if I wanted to be successful, I needed to do it on my own. I just could not not follow instructions very well. I am not a very good employee. Um, So then... Went back to grad school at NC State, and then formed a company um, as I was in grad school, and then just really enjoyed doing that. Grew that company. Um, well, no, I struggled with growing that company, and found what became a VP of Sales. That guy is Donald Thompson. Donald and then and I then created something of of genuine significance. We sold that to Adobe, and then I I moved to California and spent spent twelve years in California. Then have moved back here about three or four years ago, and um, now I'm I'm here here
1: in Raleigh. Uh, fantastic. Thanks for that that insight, and I've had the opportunity to get to know your kids growing up and watching them uh, become successful in their own right. I, I do want you to take a minute and talk about Maggie and John. They're both doing great stuff also.
2: Yeah, they, they really are. Maggie is our oldest. Um, Maggie also went to state, then she went to... Um, went to Stanford, got, got her PhD in physics at Stanford, uh, did a postdoc at, the, at UCSF, and now has landed back and is an assistant professor in physics at um, at NC State. So uh, we're, we're, we're real proud to have her back in Wolfpack Nation. So she has started a lab, um, a physics lab, has half a dozen folks working for her, two or three PhD candidates. What I've learned is that being a physics professor running a lab is really it's all about entrepreneurship again you've got to raise money to to support your lab you've got to recruit people to get their phd and you've got to be really smart about something so it's, she's she's just doing really well son john was one of the founders of Jewelbug. john worked with us for about four or five years john um also went to nc state in in design and architecture so John really put the brand, the Jewelbug brand, together. Created the voice. Created the visual aesthetic of the app. John then jumped uh, from there to where he's now at, at Autodesk, and John is leading a team of designers creating some new product for them. They're uh, they're going in, you know, heavily into the construction space. So, you know, they've always been in the design space, but he's leading leading the team of how do you get. Autodesk products, AutoCAD, into the palm of construction workers, how do they
1: use that design information on the job site? That is awesome. And, you know, the Wolfpack Nation has kind of adopted me based on your recommendation. And so we've located several companies on Centennial Campus. And so one of the reasons that I wanted you to highlight your your kids is you think about the success you've had with the North Carolina State background, uh, Maggie and John. And so that's just a great testament for the Wolfpack Nation. And so uh, I, I just wanted to throw that plug in uh, as we continue to go. So now let's fast forward a little bit. You've created a company called Jewelbug. It is based around creating sustainable behaviors within organizations and corporations, making saving the environment fun and how that can impact your, your business most people don't know they're supposed to care about the environment so how do we start at a base level and educate our audience on what is sustainability and why it matters why it impacts us
2: yeah so it it's taken me a long time to to really understand that it's like you say it's a big word It, it might be best to just kind of tell about the jewel bug journey you know i left Adobe, wanted to do something. I'd been, in the, I'd been in the enterprise software business my entire career and started wanting to do something with consumers. And iPhone apps were just becoming the thing. So I decided, why don't we, you know, just kind of as a side hustle, side gig, why don't I see if I can create an app and started out with making the app about how do you use less electricity? How do you make that fun? And we actually created an app that was all about using less electricity at home. And, and it was easy to take a picture. And it was easy to share. And we thought we were going to be the Facebook for saving energy. And we quickly realized there is nothing social, there is nothing fun about using less electricity.
1: Right. <laughs>
2: yeah, We learned that very quickly. Uh, and so we we said, OK, how do, how do we get it social? How do we make it fun? and we then broaden from saving saving electricity to sustainability and that was my introduction to sustainability is that it's a way of using materials less it's a way of looking after the environment and it really starts when you get up and it ends when you go to bed and really the, kind of the founding principles of sustainability are people planet and and profit you know how do you make all of this work so that it can, can continue to work forever. I mean if you just make it about saving the planet, well who wants to do that unless unless there is some motivation and that would be profit. And how do you just look after people if it's just I mean you, you, it takes all three of those to really make sustainability work. And that's where I started getting getting educated of you know we we were kind of approaching it from from the environmental perspective got it and you know there are a lot and, and there have been environmentalists around since for you know forever since John Muir created the the Sierra Club there have been environmentalists around but it's it's always been kind of an elite group it's always been just you know people who who had found their way to the top had a lot of stuff decided it was time to start saving and they started trying to push that down gotcha And it's, you know, it struck me as there, you know, this is just a way of doing what, doing the things that grandma taught me. You know, grandma was really, you know, close the door, right? Turn off the lights. You don't need to use that. Don't put that on your plate if you're not going to eat it. Why are you opening the
1: refrigerator four times in 20 minutes? Exactly, (laughs) exactly. That was my (laughs) granny. Yeah, I
2: mean, I I think that that's, it's just like, and we all kind of rolled our eyes when my mom, your granny, said that. It's like, you know, it's like, what difference does it make? And to, to anybody that came through the depression or came through the hard times who who was raised poor, it's like that little bit was a lot, right? And so it was like, okay, how do we take grandma's lessons and give it to everybody? Because it's those little bits that have accumulated over the decades that has gotten the planet into trouble it's that very little bit. We just been, we've just been kind of lazy about it. And so the idea became, how do we take Grammy's lessons, put them into an app, make it social, make it fun. And that, that's kind of the, the journey. And so we've been learning all along the way about the inventory of things that you can do. You know, Grammys lessons, everybody's Grammys lessons are different, but there's an inventory of things that you can do of being more mindful of the planet, but also encouraging your neighbor to do the same and also finding people that are willing. And what we've recently found is how do you get how do you get brands to help people make it fun in winning prizes and that sort of thing?
1: You know, when you think about the environment, I appreciate that background very much. How does it extend to the brands? Tell me some of the folks that have used the jewel bug application, some of the things that they've learned through the process, because still, you know, when I think about sustainability and I think about people and, and profit and planet, I still sometimes struggle linking it to an actual thing that I can do as a leader of a company. But you've been successful in getting brands to adopt yeah. this technology. Yeah, I think that that if, if we kind of just like
2: what's the precedent brand that that kind of represents sustainability you know there are several out there but i think the one that comes to mind my mind first would be patagonia you know you, you see the logo a lot yvonne chouinard who started patagonia chouinard was was a mountain climber at yosemite but but these these things were were paramount to him and as he's as he's grown his company he has made sustainability part of the brand. So if you look at that, and and now he was really he was just a pioneer in that. And now there are other companies that are saying, why can, How do I do that? Um, and another, you know, one of those brands is IKEA. How do I do that? They've they've decided that you know they're competing with some companies that are making it cheaper, making things easier to buy. So how do you compete with that? They're making sustainability part of their brand. So if you want to be buying home furnishings and you want to figure out who to buy from sustainability is part of Ikea's brand. Also, we've got, you know, some other companies like, like the, you know, the airlines are beginning to see that people are looking at, do I really want to fly because of the amount of carbon that it puts into the atmosphere? So there, there, there are airlines that are wanting to help their people who are flying use less. So, Delta Airlines wants to use this to where people flying can learn how to be more sustainable, how to, how to use less energy, how to use less mm-hmm. resources. We've got other companies like Pizza Hut who want to get their employees to turn everything off when they leave. When their crew leaves at the end of the day, how do we incentivize our crew to make certain that they turn off every single light, every single thing that they use during the day how they turn it off before they leave they use the app to incentivize their employees to turn things off
1: Oh, that's powerful one of the things from a learning standpoint i've been excited for us to talk in detail on some of these things i hear the term a lot carbon footprint Yeah. and people that are in the sustainability space environmental space or really any space if you're big if you are a big football person Right. And you talk about down and distance. Right. And you talk about the red zone. Use all these acronyms that somebody that's not into football can't really follow the conversation. Right. Right. And so can you explain to me what carbon footprint means and why that matters that it's up or down? Right. For an organization, a country or a corporation. Yeah. So, you know, a, a carbon footprint is really just
2: how much carbon is an individual responsible for. You know, whenever we drive our car, you've got gas, you know, whatever size car you've got, you've got gas mileage and that that car is emitting carbon into the atmosphere. Um, We all have homes that have lights, have refrigeration, have heating, depending on how many lights are LEDs versus how many are incandescents, depending on how what you set your thermostat on, uh, depending on how many times you open that refrigerator door. Depends on how much electricity we use. That electricity is generated from burning coal, burning natural gas, or from wind turbines or solar farms. So depending on what who you buy from, how much you use, depends on how much carbon that you're responsible for, for emitting. So how much you drive, how much electricity you use, how much you fly. That then each of us has an amount of carbon that we're responsible for. So that's what each individual's carbon footprint is. Why that matters is that we've known for for some time that the amount of carbon that is put into the atmosphere on an annual basis contributes to climate change. Carbon is one of those things that keeps the earth warming. It's like a blanket on the earth. So the more carbon we have, the thicker the blanket is on the earth, and over time, the warmer the planet gets. Now, certainly it's not like like the stock market. It doesn't go up every single day. There are going to be down days. There are going to be up days. But as time marches on, the thicker the blanket, the thicker the carbon blanket, the warmer the earth gets. And then that's when we have
1: climate change. So, all right, I I get it. That makes sense. That's a very clear, basic example. So let's dig in a little bit. Why are people denying that climate change exists right like there's people that are big proponents of reducing one's carbon footprint and then there's people that seem to want to not acknowledge the existence of global warming donald
2: now you're asking some hard questions right (laughs) you're asking some hard questions I, i think that there there's a couple things i think that let's face it there there are not many of us that really find this sort of thing interesting you you mentioned that football and red zone there are a lot more people that find seeing their alma mater in the red zone much more interesting than than listening about carbon footprint so so there's a lot of the population that is just like this is not interesting they got they've got <laughs> they've got exciting lives and they don't they want to they want to do the fun stuff so there's just a portion that just haven't. It's just it's just not important. I mean, it's not that it's not important. It's just that they've got other things that are that are much more have their mind share much more than this does. There are also some some entrenched players who are making a tremendous amount of money off of carbon. I mean that would that would start with ExxonMobil um, and their competitors, closely followed by Duke Energy. And, and all of the people that are supplying us electricity. And so then also you have a, you have the, the situation where let's face it. We like electricity. We like our car. We, we like to be warm. We like to be clean. We like for the convenience of, of electricity. So the idea that it's bad, most of us don't have many things in our lives that we really, really like that are really bad. So, there is this, I don't really want to learn about something I really like that's bad. And then you've got folks that are really entrenched in it, and they have paid to advertise on why to make it to make it complex. I and mean, there are a lot of people that, it, as, as we use less and less oil, because we're using more and more electric vehicles, there are going to be some losers in that journey. And though, as it so happens, those people that are going to lose the most have the most money right now. Let's face it, ExxonMobil has made a lot of people very rich. ExxonMobil is a huge company that has been very successful, and they do not want to lose that quickly. They need time to transition, and they are buying time by raising questions that we do not need to be asking any longer.
1: Yep. No, that makes sense, and I, I think that you know, one of the things that is a responsibility for pushing through something new, right, is how do you educate people that have an intrinsic bias, right, against what you're what you're learning. So one of the things I would ask you is like, it seems pretty simple to talk about sustainability and the people, profit, planet with people that want to hear about it. How do you bring people stair step? What are some of the small examples you use? When somebody's not, if somebody's closed-minded, you're not going to be able to mess right. with them, right? right? I'm really talking about the person that wants to know, but just doesn't get it. Skeptical, but kind of optimistic. Like what examples would you use to bring somebody into the fold, right? That sustainability is important. Thinking about your environment's important. It's good for your business. Your employees want it. What examples would you use to, to bring that person along?
2: One's got to develop. I mean, let's, let's be clear that, in order to understand this, takes time. Some of these concepts are not easy. In order to shed ourselves of some of the things that we like to be replaced by something that may not be quite as good, we have to figure out how to do that. And in order for that to take place, a currency has to be developed to make that transaction, to make everybody whole. If, if I would like for you to learn something that's interesting to me, important to me, and you'd rather watch football, I've got to create some way to make you feel like it's a, it's a better option than doing something more entertaining. And that currency is something we, that has to be developed. And, that, and that's what has to happen in order to, to pull people on board. And that's really what we have focused on with Jewelbug is creating a currency mm. to encourage and reward people to, to be more sustainable. And really, once, once you once you kind of learn, oh, well, well, it really isn't that hard to ask the waiter or waitress, I don't need a straw. Yep. When they're paid by the company that sells straws to put them on your table, and then whether you use it or not, they get thrown away. And we can we do that all the time. And that's what they're paid to do. All you've got to do is say, I like, don't like the straw. It stays in their pocket. It's never used. But how do we get people? And it's not hard. it's not hard if you stop doing your entertaining life and kind of listen to this for a second. And then it's like, Oh, that's what grandma would have said if she'd gone to places that you gave out straws. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: What are, what are some of the base behaviors that aren't complicated if we just have them a little bit more top of mind? Correct. And I think that, you know, it's, it's all about how you're educated and the people that influence you. So our partnership over the years has me thinking about environment my behaviors differently than I would have it doesn't mean like I'm all the way there it just means like I'm open to being educated I'm a little bit more thoughtful when I'm when I'm making decisions and and that's a that's a good thing let's broaden the conversation a little bit because jewel bug now started around sustainability saving electricity as you alluded to but you've ultimately built out a platform that is now driving employee engagement. Yep. And I wanna understand how you moved from that and pivoted forward to now creating a, a tool that can be explosive with remote workers, with employee engagement, with onboarding tools, as well as sustainability and wellness and fitness. Tell us a little bit about the evolution of Jewelbug and the different offerings you have today. So we we created a currency
2: to reward Sustainable behavior. So, Jewelbug has always differentiated itself in that Jewelbug wanted you to take action, not read about it, not look at it, but actually do something. So, we created a game to do that, and then in order to get people to play and enjoy the game, we we gave out prizes, prizes slash rewards, and those come in many different factors. One is you could just you could just be kind of a gamer, so to speak, and you wanted to be on the electronic podium. Some people that doesn't turn them on. They want to actually have a prize. So that you wanted to win, uh, you wanted to win a multi-thousand-dollar IKEA make home makeover. So that's one of the things that IKEA does. Pull, they they use literally thousands of dollars of prizes to get large numbers of people to participate in order to win a prize and play. At the other end of the spectrum, if you you know another thing that IKEA is doing, if you do a single action, they'll give you they'll give you an ice cream cone. Literally, show them that you've done something. So. The other thing that people do is is they take pictures. You would not believe how creative people can be in taking pictures of how I re- refused a straw or how I turned how I took a shorter shower. There are all kinds of everybody, or lots of people want to have an Instagram Mona and they want to center that around being
1: sustainable.
2: All of these are ways that will you know encourage and reward people to take sustainable action.
1: That's that's really cool. I mean, I think that, you know, the ability to take the sustainable action and then what you've done is transition that same thought process to fitness and wellness contests. within well, a I think,
2: think that it's you can only you just take your favorite restaurant. If you went to your favorite restaurant every night, every week, it would not be your favorite after a while. You need variety. So we've we've seen the the joy that people get from having a sustainability challenge. But if you do them too frequently, they get tired of it so this is where then we started adding new types of content so we added nutrition we added fitness we added volunteering we've added diversity and, and equity so we we feel like you can take desired behaviors any organization any community can take desired behaviors what's what's important to them they can make it bite size they can put points on it and then you can create a challenge you can take in and, and and give give points for the best picture give points for the mo- give um, awards for whoever gets the most points so that's how we've taken the the idea around sustainable behavior and use that as a platform and then expanded it to to many other other activities that that you mentioned
1: no oh, that's awesome one of the things that I, you know, as I think about some of the clients that you mentioned when we were talking about Bug, right, Pizza Hut, Delta, Ikea, right? And this is a bootstrap startup firm, right? And then when I think about our experience together at, at iCubed and deals that, that you led with Adobe and Autodesk and Katia and IBM. So what I want to pivot to a little bit, because our audience will be interested in this. As a small company entrepreneur, you have served in your software experience in enterprise software some of the largest companies in the world. How? What is it about you that is always big game hunting? That your first big client for Jewelbug is IKEA. The first big client for um, gosh, what was the name of the product you, we sold to Adobe? Um, Fileline. Fileline. Was was IBM, <laughs> right? Like like. Your, your your first big clients are all multinational clients. How do you do that? How do you stay on the cutting edge of technology that these big companies will even take your call? How does that happen?
2: I, I wish I had a good answer. I mean, I think that it sounds like it's by design. It sounds like it's something that, I mean, it, I, it has happened more than once. It, so it, it does sound like it's by design, but really it's it's just, stumb, it, it's just stumbling into it. What what made your and my partnership really work is you really are a people person and you really are a great salesperson. You're really, a, a, you know, just a leader of people. My passion is, is product, you know, whether it's, you know, I'm a, I'm a trained engineer, but I really like looking or hearing about something that I, that is a need and then kind of taking my engineering skills, my design's engineering design skills and then applying them to software. And then along the way, I've kind of, you know, I've been worked, I've worked around enterprises enough to where I kind of, I understand how, how they work and that. So I I have a, I have a a high threshold for risk. I'm, I'm comfortable with risk. Most, most large companies have a very low threshold for risk. So if you can kind of take that and present it to them um, and show them how they can scale it, they like it. So I can I I am pretty good at selling a quantity of one, but then turning the crank and working with people versus product. I I really kind of tend toward the product. So that's kind of where I've where you and my skills have worked well over the years is you like the people side. I like the product side. We work together and kind of take it into big companies.
1: Yeah. You know, as I reflect. Cause I think about that a lot, right? I've talked to a lot of salespeople over the years and, and we've done a pretty good job at getting our products and services into some pretty large organizations. And I, I think one of the things is we're naive enough to just think we can do it. Like, like, like there's, there's a certain amount of just like, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you, I mean, you, you
2: hate to say on on something like a podcast or something that's going to live for a while that you're, just cocky enough to do it, uh, yeah. And I, I think that I like to think of it that I'm just not afraid of anything versus I'm cocksure enough to think I'm going to do. Yeah, it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. we'll,
1: we'll go, we'll go with 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 the yeah. yeah.
2: I mean that uh saying that I'm adverse to risk is just a nice way of saying that I'm I'm cocky. Yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> I, and I think to to folks that are listening that that have a business and have a business idea and a, and a concept, right? One of the things that you taught me early on that I want to share with our audience is large companies are made up of individuals that have goals that they need to meet a boss that they're trying to please families, they're trying to grow. And if you can help that individual within an enterprise be successful, they'll help you navigate through the enterprise. Right. And I think that, you know, one of the things I've seen you do over the years by multiple times is when we found a partner in a big company, we made it our goal to make them successful also. Yeah. yeah. Right. And and we've seen a lot of folks that we worked with over the years grow within their company because we made picking us make them look good. Yes. And we and we worked really hard to make that true Yeah. Right. when somebody bet on us. And I remember, I you know, one of our walks around Centennial Campus, we we just talked about not letting the trust down of the person that selected us. Right. That led us in that that door. And I, I'll never forget that. Right. It's it's something that that really has helped me um, not just the confidence to go after big companies, but the humility that if somebody gives you a shot. To not let that person down.
2: Well, I think some of the some of the best successes we've had is when we actually. Made a mistake with a customer where we had maybe overpromised a little bit, maybe underdelivered a little bit. And the customer was not happy with us. And that's when we rolled up our sleeves and demonstrated that we're going to make it right. Mm-hmm. And then that's when, though, you know, it's like you say, we're looking after the person that bought us. We put somebody in a jam, a little bit of a jam, but then we rolled up our sleeves and made them successful. And it's when you do that, when you actually do that, you have a customer for life. And you have, a, you have, you not only do you have a customer for life, but I, some, some of the, some of the folks that I've done that with, I actually have friends for life. People yep. all you know all over the country that I can call that that we've had a great business relationship that's turned into a to a lasting friendship.
1: Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. no, I, I would. I, I'm glad that we at least touched on that a little bit because that's part of the Jewelbug is a platform. Uh, I'm a consumer of that. Uh, many of the companies I work with use it, so I'm a big fan. So, but I think the the effort behind the building out of that platform and having folks like IKEA and Delta and Pizza Hut and the City of Austin select your team is a really powerful testament right to being able to build enterprise software even though individuals are using it right to have that quality that that robustness that that is there let me ask you this final final question um for me and then i want to see if there's anything you wanted to to share when we take a step back and we look at how do we change behavior within organizations it's not just the tool, right? Like Jewelbug's amazing, but Jewelbug isn't a magic wand, right? You've said like Jewelbug's not magic, but it is a facilitator, a catalyst for, for these things. What other things should companies be thinking about when they're engaging their employees, when they're trying to make that engagement real and measurable and, and that powerful relationship with culture, uh, in their employment base.
2: When I started my career way back when, and there was electricity, um, When I started my career, Milton Friedman Friedman had just earned his Nobel, and and his Nobel was around that the only thing that an organization is supposed to do is make a profit, and that everything is derived everything is derived from the bottom line, making a profit. Today, I think that that's pretty far from the truth. I think people that are people that are looking for career, looking at careers today absolutely want to work for somebody that cares about more than the bottom line. And every organization, as you bring in young folks today, uh, those folks are the ones that are going to save the world because they want to work for somebody that cares about more than the bottom line. So as an organization, you need to, yeah, you, you know, table stakes are, you need to pay people a, a good wage, a good wage. Doesn't have to be top dollar. But it has to be a good wage. But in addition to that, you need to demonstrate that you care about their well being, their genuine well being, their balance of life, uh, and that you care about the community that you live in, that they live in, that you operate in, and that you demonstrate through your actions how to do that. Jewelbug is one way to do that. Jewelbug is a way to enhance corporate initiatives but it's just a, it's just sort of a way i mean we're we are not your corporate initiative program we are a way to init, to enhance whatever your initiative is and those initiatives better be about more than you making money and that that's uh, i think anybody that's in the, that is responsible for hiring people needs to be thinking about or or need, you know is aware that you need to sh- demonstrate how you care about your community and when you're a multinational you're all, you're in communities all over everywhere yep we are working we're, we're we're beginning to work with K&N they're the world's large the second largest shipping company in the world they have 2400 branches around the world 2400 and they want all of those folks to be thinking about sustainability and we're just a way to help them. You know, so that we, didn't, we didn't start, it didn't start with Juulbug. It starts with their company wants to, you know, which has a, has a huge carbon footprint. They want to get people thinking, knowing that they care. And they, this is the way for them to communicate. But you need an initiative that gives people a mission broader than just we ship stuff, but we, we are mindful of the environment when we ship stuff that's what people that's who people want to work for given the choice between working for a shipping company that doesn't care versus a shipping company that does care people are going to choose the does care
1: all the time yep that's powerful i i, I don't want to add to that it was a great way to close in talking about jewelbug uh educating us on carbon footprint and sustainability but then how your platform now is not morphed but matured into uh, a cultural engagement tool right for companies and allowing them to meet their clients and companies where they are grant it's always good to talk to you it's you always it makes my day uh to do it but this has been great i appreciate it Thanks for the time i doubt i question my
2: i tell myself i'm worth it no one's perfect i gotta i'm at
1: my this podcast is edited and produced by earphones If you're looking for more information on how full-service podcast production can amplify your voice, build your community, visit EarFluence.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon on the Donald Thompson Podcast.